You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. All right, I'd like to first thank Greg for getting me away from uh, the whole packing thing that's happening in my house right now. Holy crap. I, I can't tell you. Bubble wrap for days, tape for days, boxes for days. Uh, I am going to drink well tonight, my friend. Uh, let's talk by about the way, By the way, yeah. first of all, before we get going, first of all, congratulations on your new gig. What, what can you tell us about it? And also, uh, I just want to let people know that uh, Nick specifically asked to continue doing this podcast, which we were all grateful about. We'll have to figure out the whole West Coast timing and stuff like that. It'll probably yeah. be very good for me. It'll probably mean later in the day. Uh, so, but tell us about the gig and and what's going on because it's uh, congratulations, it's awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. The, you know, the first thing Kelly asked me was uh, about the podcast because yes, I I literally had this podcast written into the contract that I signed to make sure that. Uh, we could keep doing this thing. And I said, I think Greg's going to actually like the whole difference in time because Greg's <laughs> kind of a night owl. He's, he's not really an early morning guy. I said, no. so I think this is going to actually work out best for both of mm-hmm. us. Uh, I'm going to Sacramento, KHTK out there. I'm going to be the uh, program director. I'm also going to be hosting in the afternoon. Uh, so it'll be fun. I'll, I'll be out there. My first day in the office is December 13th. And uh, we go from there. So it's going to be an adventure. Uh, I've never been further than you know Arizona or Vegas for more than – a week. So, uh, this is, this is definitely a life adventure. You know, I just turned 40 and, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. we got a bunch of places to visit out there and, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited, but things are, things are busy. Things are busy. Awesome. Um, so I'm still working my Virginia job until Wednesday, Wednesday's my last day. And then, uh, kind of kick it into full gear, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of moving and moving across the country, obviously logistical nightmare. So a lot of, you know, how do I transport my truck across the country? What what moving company are we going to use? So it, mm-hmm. it's been it's been a very interesting few days. All right, let's get to the football. Uh, your overall feel, Greg, on the game Thursday night. Overall, Nick, it was another pleasurable uh, film watching experience as opposed to the beginning of the season. The first, <laughs> you know, about six games when uh, I'd come on here and basically want to pull my hair out and just like, I don't know what these guys are doing. What's going on. What are they do? Who's coaching who what's. And you know, it's now to the point where you're just like, it feels familiar where you watch the film and you're like, all right, they're not going to make all that many mistakes. They're going to do their job. They're going to execute their responsibilities. They're going to make the other team have to beat them. And I thought that that was, the theme in this game. To me, I thought 
watching the film, I thought the defense was the uh, was, and of course, yeah, yeah, genius. They shut them out. <laughs> Wait a sec. Yeah, the defense was the clear winner in this game. You know, I, I know everybody tuned in to hear that expert analysis, but uh, the execution was awesome. I only had them for five minus plays in the entire game, uh, two missed tackles, two edges, and you could probably pick them out. Judon had one, those back-to-back runs. Kyle Van Noy had one on the next play. Yep. That was largely it. Other than that, they, they bottled up the Falcons really well. Uh, look, the, we all know the Falcons are limited, not a very good offensive line. Oh, they no stay. Calvin, yeah, no Calvin Ridley to make you think about. All right, well, we're gonna have to extend ourselves defensively. I mean, you know, really, the Patriots just played zone and said keep it in front of us, and you know they're not gonna beat us that way, and they didn't. And uh, you know, look, the Patriots made a lot of plays up front, uh, a lot of pressure in this game. Just when I thought Matt Judon was playing. You know, he played fine, but I was just like, yeah, it's not really a big Matt Judon day. And all of a sudden, by the end of the game, I have all these marks in his plus column. And so it's just <laughs> another Matt Judon game where he's, you know, one of the most impactful guys on the team. Um, so, you know, I thought I thought the offense was better than I thought watching film. I thought what Bill said in the postgame press conference was right. We just made too many mistakes at the wrong times on right. offense. And yep. I, I completely agree with that. Uh, Mac was good for the most part. The Falcons did get him on a few things that we will uh, will discuss a little bit more in depth uh, in a little bit. Um, you know they'll get those cleaned up. I think this is you know this this long weekend is a perfect time for that. The bye week coming up is a perfect time for them to sort of reset for some of these things. I thought the running backs were great. The offensive line was good. Receivers were solid. Some mistakes here and there, like Jacoby Myers coming out of his break on third down, I didn't think was great. Hunter Henry was wrong on the end zone incompletion where Mac shot it to the back flag, even though yep. I don't know if it would have been completed. I could def- Mac was right. On film, in my opinion, Mac was right on that. Uh, so very minor stuff that they have to clean up. Uh, if they cut, if they would have cut down the mistakes just a few, they probably score forty in that game. So I'm not overly alarmed, uh, you know, with the offense uh, or, or the team at all. I do think there are some things that, if I were playing the Patriots, that I would try to do, and and we'll discuss that. But um, yeah, really, really good, solid victory. Look, five on a Thursday night. Yeah, five, five and zero on the road so far, and and we know, you know, Belichick. And really, every football coach takes pride in that. But you know how good of a football team you have or how much you can trust the team by what they do on the road. And, and they're 5-0 and oh on the road. Even against bad teams on the road, you have some funkiness. We saw that with the Bills in Jacksonville a couple weeks ago. You know, you can slip up on the road. And, of course, the Pats had the brutal first half against Houston. But all in all, 5-0 and oh on the road. I mean, that speaks volumes to how mentally tough this team is, I yep. do believe. And you, you hit the nail on the head, Greg. Look, Thursday night, and, and this is not an excuse, but we've seen it for years now. Thursday night is funky. It's clunky. You don't really know what you're going to get. It's a short, quick, fast turnaround. And, and sometimes you just have to fight through and win a game. And, and I feel like that's what the Patriots did. They dominated this game. It was the mistakes. As you mentioned, it was the, the bad pick by Mack when he had Nikhil Harry wide open down the sideline. He threw it into double coverage down the seam. Uh, to Janu, that was a, a bad play, bad decision by Mac. Uh, but you know, most of all, you look at the the flags, a couple of flags on the offense, a holding that got them. 
Uh, you also had a couple of sacks that just killed them in, in, in tough times. Jacoby Myers fell on one of his routes. That kind of stalled the drive. Yeah, Kind of simple mistakes. And defensively, look, as Greg said, Captain Obvious walked into the room. Fantastic. And what they did was, and, and if you want to take anything away from it, two things. First of all, you know, the short yardage defense, that's a hell of a job. I know this offensive line isn't great for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But to stop Atlanta twice, third one and then fourth and about a half yard, then to get the sack on third and one, you know, you're looking at an offense that's inside of your 20-yard line. Those two big-time stops, and they also gave nothing to Kyle Pitts, which should not surprise anybody if you've watched Belichick. If you have one thing that he's got to take away, he's going to take it away, and he did that with Pitts. Uh, Let's look defensively. Uh, You mentioned this. I want to talk about the defense uh, first. Uh, as far as what Atlanta, what Atlanta might have done to uh, bother Mac at times, because Mac, it seemed to me, again, I'm kind of a more of a layman than you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed to me that at least on a couple of occasions, Greg, he was fooled. So, what yep. did Dean Pease do that you think maybe other defenses down the road could do against Mac that could cause some problems? Yeah, to me, there were, uh, you know, in this game total, I had Mac for six plus plays. I mean, he made some dynamite throws in this game. I mean, the third down against pressure with Jerron Harmon coming on him. That Hunter, uh, you know, dime. Hunter oh Henry. Oh my God! He made some. He made some great throws in this game. Uh, I did for the first time. I think for the first time all year, I haven't done my uh, pressure chart, but I think for the first time all year, I tagged Mac for three pressures, including two sacks. So. To me, that's him being fooled a little bit. You are right. Am I overly concerned about it? No. I think it's just stuff that him and McDaniels will dig into the film and they'll say, hey, just remember, you need to check on this. And and I want to, there were two plays in particular that they got him on that if you want to go back and look at it, um, you know, call it up and then listen to this part, a big companion piece. I'm going to go through one play looking at the video. It's not great for podcasting, I know. But those of you that are BSJ members, I will go into depth with the video on on the site. But I just I, I think it's useful to go through this exercise. So the first one is with 55 seconds left in the first half. You know, the Patriots are driving. They come up and the Falcons are showing they have two two deep safeties. They are showing a defense where they're basically like, all right, we're protecting against the big play, the touchdown. We want to keep them inbounds. Patriots, I think I have one timeout left at this point. Keep them inbounds, hold them to a field goal. We're good. Okay, and so that's what the defense looks like. And that's really what the defense is at this point. Now, what happens is the Patriots have a three by one set. They have three receivers to Mac Jones's right. They have one receiver, and I think it's Hunter Henry tight to his left. And the Falcons show pretty conservative coverage. I mean, they have four guys over the three receivers to the right, including Jerron Harmon as the deep safety, the former Patriot. Now, right before the snap, which should be, which they'll go back and and Josh will hit on this with with Mac, is you start seeing Jerron Harmon start to go a little bit more towards the sideline and in a little bit. That should have been an indicator to Mac Jones that something funky might happen here. Yeah. And I need to I need to keep an eye out on that right side. And also we should say this in terms of how I'm not overly concerned about this. This whole thing, the, the couple plays that they got him on, Dean Pease used to work for the Patriots. 
both of the uh, Dean Peace and Arthur Smith used to work for Mike Vrabel. These guys know how the Patriots protect. And right. they know their Mike protection system where it's, you know, when Mac Jones points out the linebacker, the Patriots are, uh, the offensive line are responsible for the four down linemen plus whoever the Mike linebacker is. And so anybody else outside of that, the quarterback is responsible for. So if they come, he's either got to throw hot, throw away, do something. So, so they are about to go through it, and you see this creeping cornerback from Max Wright creeping a little bit, and he's already way inside Jacoby Myers, who's the middle receiver. Another indication to Mac that something might funky might be going on because he's not really in coverage on Jacoby Myers. So what's going on? So basically what happens is it's a zone blitz. The cornerback comes. Jerron Harmon replaces the cornerback in coverage, and it's not really good coverage. It's, it's wide open if Mac wants to throw hot there. And then on the other side, Dante Fowler, instead of rushing, he drops out. So it's a fire zone blitz. That's what they call it in football speak. And Mac just looks left because he thinks he has Hunter Henry, and he's waiting for Hunter Henry. He never looks back to his right. He does not see the cornerback coming who's a little hidden, you know, behind the tackle, behind Trent Brown and the right end. You don't see much past Trent Brown. Um, and so he does a really good job of snaking in behind Trent Brown. So Mac Jones probably doesn't see him coming. So again, a brilliant technique that, uh, maybe Mike Vrabel borrows off of. Um, and Mac just doesn't see the guy coming. It's his responsibility that he needs to see him. He needs to make a play. He doesn't. And that's, that's the gist of how the, the, the Titans fooled quote unquote fooled Mac Jones. Am I overly concerned? No, they'll get back in front of the film. It's probably already happened about 15 times where Josh is just like, hey, make sure you're you're looking for late movement. Hey, who's coming? Who's not? That sort of thing. Make sure you check back to the right side. Don't fall in love with the left side. That sort of thing. I do not think it's a big issue, but it's nice to see going into this big stretch. It's nice to see somebody exploit a little bit of a weakness on you. So now you can take care of it. Yeah, it's like to me every every rookie, especially rookie quarterbacks, you're going to have necessary teaching moments, and I think Thursday night is a necessary teaching moment for Mac. Yep. And if you're going to have one of those necessary teaching moments, have it in a game that you won 25 to Zippo is mm-hmm. the best possible scenario. So you walk away with a win, and you also learned a couple of things if you're Mac that hopefully you can adjust to later on down the road. Teams can't. Uh, you know, confuse you and get the best of you on a couple of those occasions. So it, it's a necessary teaching moment. Let's flip the script. Uh, the Falcons had a third quarter drive, Greg, that might have shown uh, how to attack this Patriots zone defense. As we talked about early this week, they have really gone heavy with zone defense. They, they have walked mm-hmm. away from playing man. Uh, they do play man in spots, but this is a heavy, heavy zone defense. I asked you the question earlier this week after that Cleveland game, uh, whether or not it was sustainable to continue to play this kind of zone defense all the time. That third quarter drive, what would you see, and how would you attack this Patriots defense off of what you saw in that third quarter drive? Yeah, so it started with 5.04 left. It's right after the Mac Jones um, interception. And, you know, short pass six yards, short pass five yards, uh, the fullback for five yards. Uh, short left to the fullback for 11 yards, left tackle run for five yards, you know, so four yards. And then all of a sudden it stalls with the two huge Carl Davis plays where he just basically owns the center. Uh, But before, so I'm watching this film and quite frankly, I'm getting a little bit bored at this point. And and I start to daydream a little bit about like, all right, 
let me watch the Patriots how I do like their upcoming opponents. Like how am I going to attack them? How would the Patriots attack them? And I thought this drive to me, if I was playing the Patriots coming up is sort of a little bit of a blueprint. Now you have to be precise. You're you're probably going to need about a 10, 15 play drive to score, but this is what we know about the Patriots. They play a lot of zone. They have a lot of big guys on the field. They're not the fastest team, even though they do look faster on film, because I think guys like Bentley, Duggar, uh, you know, the guys up front, I think they 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 know their role, they know what they're doing more, so they're playing faster. So that's that's good. They're no long they don't long no longer look like they're playing in molasses on film. Nice. Um, but look, they play zone and they're bigger. And they like to put a lot of big, heavy guys on the field. A lot of times, uh, you know, you'll see four, a true three-four base defense out there, which is the first time in years that we've seen it out of this team. A lot of times, they will have Adrian Phillips or Kyle Duggar as the fourth three-four uh, linebacker, sort of, uh, you know, as uh, an inside linebacker. So that's what we know about the Patriots, and they're they're okay against the run now. I mean, they're pretty good. Um, but you look at it, and, and the Falcons did a great job on it on this drive. They started to spread the field. They started getting wide splits with their wide receivers. They're splitting everybody out, a little bit more shotgun, not so much under center, and you spread out the Patriots. And I think, I think it helps the opponent in a couple different ways. Number one, it makes it hard for the Patriots to do much designer as far as their amoeba defense, which um, hit well in this game, I thought against a porous offensive line. Uh, it, it's easier to figure out who's rushing and who's not. So that that helps the offense. And then the other thing is, you know, just spread them out and then just pick them apart in the passing game. Just little five, six-yard passes. Just look for the guys. Spread them out. Short routes. Just look for the right matchup and just get rid of it. And, you, and the quarterback's getting rid of the ball. He's not getting pressured as much. Make Matt, Matt Judon and Christian Barmore rush the passer to no avail time and time again, sort of tire them out with, without, you know, much, much at the end of the day. And then, but also spreading them out, I think you can run the ball a little bit more. You look for matchups in the running game, double team, stuff like that. So I thought up until the final part of that drive, uh, Nick, um, you know, the third and one and uh, the fourth and one, which is the, you know, what's interesting is that the first time in that drive that they, that they condensed their formation was those two plays and the Patriots whooped their ass up front and, <laughs> and shut them down that way. They should have just kept going shotgun wide, you know, whatever, you know, get Matt, Matt Ryan under center, but just keep them spread out, keep them running around, make Dante Hightower cover, make Kyle Van Noy cover, make all these guys cover Juwan Bentley and just matriculate down the field. Now, it's hard to make a living that way. I will admit that. Yep. But the hope is, and plus the Patriots can play this way. They can play in zone like they have for, for weeks on end because they've, they've built leads. Largely, they've had a lot of leads. You know, you get a lead on them, you start spreading them out, they start risking a little bit more, and now maybe you get a chance to hit the big play. But I think I start spreading out the Patriots and going from there. What you're seeing from defenses against these high-powered offenses, against Kansas City, against Buffalo, uh, against the Chargers with Justin Herbert, there's kind of a theme defensively against those quarterbacks and those explosive offenses. The first thing is try to confuse them with different looks from time to time, throw multiple things at them, Mix it up, right? Don't don't just do one thing. The other part of 
defensively what they are trying to do is what you're talking about. Force the quarterback to be patient. In 2021, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks coming out of college, they're used to these big plays. You know, like when you watch college football, you see a lot of big plays. And mm-hmm. and it's it's very difficult for some quarterbacks to just be patient, which I think is it's it's fascinating because if you look at Mac, that's what Mac's willing to do, right? Mac, Mac yep. is willing to do he, – he's willing to say, look, if I've got to sit here and, and, and just kill you four to five-yard pass at a time, I'm fine with doing that. It's the death by paper cut strategy. And Mac is perfectly fine with killing you by paper yep. cut. He'll, he'll march down. He'll have this eight or nine-minute drive, these, these 12 to 15 play drives. He's cool. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert, Carson Wentz, those quarterbacks, they have a much more difficult time being able mm-hmm. to slow themselves down and accept that they're not going to get it all in one or two big plays. And so what the Patriots are going to try to do is say, hey, Josh Allen, you're talented, man, but you've also made plenty of mistakes in your NFL career. So you Mm -hmm. prove to us, you prove to us that you can go on multiple 10 plus play drives. And not only that, if you do that, you also have to finish in the red zone when we tighten things up. If you Mm -hmm. can do that, then tip of the cap to you. But we don't think you can. Carson Wentz, you know, your turnovers are low this year. But if you've watched Indy and I've watched them multiple times this season, Carson Wentz will have at least two or three brain fart plays a game. When you look at it and you go, holy hell, what is he doing? Last week, he threw a 10-plus yard shovel flip pass thing. That the, left, been the left hand? Yeah. What about the left hand one? Yeah, and then you go back You go back to the Tennessee game when he's a, a whirling dervish in his own end zone and changes hands to the left hand and just throws it, and it turns into a pick six. And then in overtime, he throws it into triple coverage when he had, uh, when he had Jonathan Taylor underneath for a 15, 20-yard game. That's what the Patriots are going to do. They're going to force Carson Wentz and Josh Allen to play smart football. They're going to challenge those guys every single offensive possession to make the right play. Check it down. If you got to check it down, check it down. But we think Josh Allen, at least a couple times, is going to make that mistake. And can we take advantage of it? That's a that's a really good point by you, Nick. And I hadn't even, you know, I was more thinking about the I was more thinking about the coordinators. You know, with the you know, the three teams that they have coming up, four games, three three games, uh, two against Buffalo. Yep. And I was thinking about, like, can those teams do this? You know, I, I do think that – I don't know the Titans that well, and I know they, they keep losing guys with injuries, so I'll be interested to watch them this weekend. It's nice to have a Sunday off where I can actually watch in the Bills. I am not a, are, I'm not afraid of that offense. I'll tell you that. Without, without yeah. Derrick Henry, not afraid of that Who offense. is – it's the, uh, the Colts – who's – somebody's – Bills and the Colts? Is that who's yeah. playing this weekend? Yes, and, and, yeah. And, okay. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so a couple of good matchups to watch, but I think you bring up a really good point in terms of, look, let's put Ryan Tannehill in that group too. I mean, he has matured a lot and he is a little bit more patient, but let's just admit that he hasn't been the quickest thinker as a quarterback in this league. And so I think between Tannehill, uh, Wentz, of course, and Josh Allen in these next three games, I think you make a very valid point that the Patriots are about to encounter three quarterbacks who um, who are able to be fooled, who will make mistakes, a couple of big mistakes a game. Are you going to be ready to accept those mistakes? And so I think that's advantage for the Patriots. I mean, I do have a little bit of worry about 
Frank Reich, especially with what he did with the Eagles and the Patriots game, because he had a Nick Foles. If the if the Colts had Nick Foles, you know, from the Super Bowl, that would be a tougher matchup for the Patriots because he will dink and dunk all the way down the field. Uh, you know, or like an Alex Smith would be effective uh, against this Patriots scheme. But I think you make a very valid point that at least two of these quarterbacks, if not the three of them, are they going to have the patience to do this? Josh Allen, I don't see it. And Dayball is going to want to show off at some point and come up with some sort of designer call to to, to beat the Patriots. And I don't know if they're, they're going to have it. Uh, so some really great inside the, the game stuff coming up, which, of course, we'll be talking about each of the next uh, – four games coming up yeah and Indy at Buffalo is a fascinating game because they they both had you know weaker yep. schedules and if you look at Indy to me this is a litmus test for them they need Jonathan Taylor every week I mean he, he's mm-hmm. almost becoming as important as Derrick Henry to that Tennessee offense yep. and Indianapolis it, this is off the top of my head I might be a few percentage points off but I, I talked about this on my show yesterday Indianapolis's strength of victory, when you look at the playoff picture on ESPN.com, you can do this at home, and you they do a great mm-hmm. job. If you go to the playoffs, they actually have all the seeds, you know, one through 16 down, and they also have strength of schedule and strength of victory. And the Colts' strength of victory this year is 261. That's the winning percentage. It is mm-hmm. the second weakest strength of victory in the entire NFL. Not the AFC, in the entire NFL. Them going to Buffalo is a litmus test. If they can stick with Buffalo, then you can look at that strength of victory and say, okay, they're probably a little bit better than what the strength of victory shows. If they go up to Buffalo and they lose by two scores, three scores, then you look at Indianapolis and you go, yeah, you know, they're, they're five and six, but who did they beat? And, you know, this team against good competition might end up being, you know, two and two and seven, two and nine, whatever the hell it'd be. So, I, th- I think that's valid about the Bills, too, because if you look at Football Outsiders um, metrics, the Bills have played the weakest schedule as a team. Yep, They played the weakest schedule as an offense, and they played the, the weakest schedule as a defense. So two teams that really haven't proven all that much. Not that we think that the Patriots have proven all that much. I mean, even though hanging tough you know, with Dallas and Tampa Bay when they did certainly shows well on them. But in that Colts-Bills game, yeah, I couldn't tell you if those teams are good. They haven't been tested that much, and, and they will be for sure coming up. No idea. It'll be compelling on Sunday. All right, three up. Let's start with your three up, Greg. Uh, your first guy you want to mention here. Yeah, Matt Judon. I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, I thought he was having a kind of a quiet game. He's a perennial then, three up, dude. They just, like, keep him on the list. Yeah. Seriously, here's my here's – my, Here's my list, and like Matt Judon, number eight is in there. He just keeps piling up the the positives, and so I had him for eight impactful plays in this game. Was I crazy about seeing him on the field in the second half of the fourth quarter? No. Put freaking Chase Winovich in there. You know when the game's over. It's not like you know when Josh Rosen and Felipe Franks are out there. Like uh, <laughs> you know, just put Chase Winovich out there. But uh, yeah, Matt Judon was he continues to be just awesome. Greg, here's a question about Judon. I, I think this comes into more focus as he continues to just be what he's been, which, like you said, I mean, we're talking about defensive player of the year type stuff. We're not talking yeah. about, like, oh, good season. We're talking mm-hmm. defensive player of the year possibilities. If you look at his first year with the Patriots, I mean, this is stacking up to be one of, if not the best 
Belichick acquisition he's ever made. I mean, when, when you mm-hmm. look at first year with the team, I mean, you could talk about Revis and what he did back in 2014 with yep. Browner. You could talk about Gilmore. He was really good right off the bat. But when you and look at Pat, you, a little, it took him a little while. Remember, remember with those, remember that Panthers game? I was at that Panthers game. So yeah, <laughs> I, I remember that Panthers game. Uh, but when you look at, you know, Judon, he's in that conversation and, and he might be the guy, the best acquisition that Belichick has ever made year one. He has been shot out of a cannon career high in sacks already. And, you know, he still has plenty of games to play. He's just been terrific. Who, who's your second you guy? Know, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, before we get into that, just, you know, I have, I have covered two different defensive players of the year, Jason Taylor with the dolphins and Charles Woodson with the Packers. And, uh, I'm pretty sure Woodson won. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, I, you know, what Matthew Judon has done at this point is up there with any of them now. Uh, and I certainly think he should be, he merits serious consideration. He'll be right there. I don't even know who else is in competition, but there's a lot of football left to be played. Um, I, I would like to see him get a couple turnovers, you know, get one of those interceptions jumping up or, you know, a huge strip sack fumble in one of these four games, something like that. A showcase play will really help him. But yeah, he, he certainly, it, I, it's unbelievable to me, Nick, how consistent he has been. And, and that gives me an idea for a column to write during these uh, slow weeks coming up. Um, to go back and look at, you know, the amount of positive plays that I've had for him every week. It, it's at least five or six every single week. And I, I can't remember a Patriots defensive player ever having that kind of production consistently day, uh, game in and game out. He's been through uh, ter- I mean, it's, it's almost comical how good he's been, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. My number two guy, and speaking, and Van Noy was like this um, last time he was here. He had that kind of season where every game he was doing positive stuff, and now he's back doing it uh, suddenly in the past couple of games. Was um, it the groin? I had him, Greg? Was it the groin? When because when we, we we were talking it had about to have been. Yeah, because we were. Been. I mean, we're talking about this guy at the beginning of the season. You said Nick on film, he just looks slow. Like he mm-hmm. he doesn't look like the same guy. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like you just mentioned, the past the past two to three weeks. He's starting to look like the Kyle Van Noy we remember. Yeah, absolutely. And and I do, Nick, I also think this helps, that uh, the Patriots are relatively he- healthy in the front seven now. Yeah. They don't have Ju- Josh Uche. But remember when we were coming out of training camp, and remember one of my questions going into the season, and we talked about it on the pod, was I was like, where does Kyle Van Noy play? I don't know if he plays. And, of course, we thought Josh Uche was going to have a bigger role, which hasn't happened, and that happens. You know, guys in front of him have played really well. But, you know, we thought at the time we talked about Kyle Van Noy possibly coming off the bench as a role player, and I think that's what he's done the past couple weeks. And I think both him – I think it's served both him and Dietrich Wise very well that they are now coming off the bench, and they have more specialized roles where – uh, they are able to use their strengths because I think both have been markedly better in the past couple of weeks. And it's when their, their roles have been reduced, their playing times have been reduced so that you get uh, it's more quality instead of quantity when they're play. So Van Noy, my second guy, five impactful plays. He had the INT for a tight, uh, touchdown, the just awful gift from uh, Josh Rosen. Uh, and also uh, number three for me was Kyle Duggar, another guy who stepped forward and, Man, Nick, I, I got to tell you. So, you know, he makes uh, – did he have the 
interception in this game. I keep now he had no, the pass breakup on third down. Yeah, the, the couple of really good. Failed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he had another play very similar in this game. There was a little out. Uh, Matt Ryan threw it to his right, and Kyle Duggar was there, and I'm watching it on film. And his first instinct was to undercut the route and pick it off. And the thing was, he took like two steps to do it and then pulled back. And I was just like, I, I watched it on film, and I was just saying, dude, just go for it. Like you can, <laughs> like he's, you, your natural athletic abilities, like now he's diagnosing like those, there was another play too, where he was in zone coverage, but the way he covered the route, I was like, I think he's been studying a bit more. Cause that was one of the questions that we had or that I had, how much did he study? How much did he recognize on film? And those two plays to me were like, He's starting to see things. He's starting to recognize routes and what teams want to do, and that's sort of the next step to making plays. And on that play, if he just trusted himself and his instinct, he would have picked that off and had another pick six. So I was just like, "Go, hey, Kyle, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, just go for it, man. You got it. You're at that point. Just go for it. I mean, it's exciting to, to watch him play uh, and watch him grow. That first half on Thursday night, he was all over the freaking place. He was smashing guys. Yep. Uh, he was making plays on the ball against Kyle Pitts. He, he was he was the dude that we thought we would see, right? When we were talking about him last year in the second half of last year and before the season kicked off. It was, I'll tell you, Patriots fans, you've got to be feeling very good when you watch this team, you know, between Mac Jones and Christian Barmore and Kyle Duggar. You're starting to see these younger guys kind of take hold and that's that's exciting and, and I would also say we didn't talk about him in, in three up but I give Nikhil Harry some credit I'm not telling you he's been awesome mm -hmm. but against Cleveland his blocking was fantastic uh you saw him at least be part of this offense early on on Thursday night made a catch or two had the run that got called back because of the holding but you know Nikhil Harry's starting to get a little sprinkled in if, if Mac doesn't throw mm -hmm. down the Janu on that pick Harry's probably got a touchdown down the sideline. So, you know, if we can get him to, to make a couple of plays, I'm not saying, you know, catch 10 footballs, but, but I, I like seeing his involvement early on with this offense. Maybe that's something that can develop. All right. Uh, you don't have three down because the game was, you know, too good. You have two yep. down. So, so let's go with your two down. Uh, John U. Smith, uh, mm -hmm. two more uh, stuffed runs allowed in the running game had another um, iffy running, um, uh, block against the run. He had a hold yep, in the game, the even though I thought that I thought that call was BS. And you know, I'm not one to complain about officially officiating very much. And I thought it was fine for the most part in this game, even though I did. I thought Hunter Henry's the defensive pass interference that he got on that that was a little iffy on the first drive of the game. Just let him play. But uh, so Janu, like he's still feeling. He made a couple plays in the passing game, which was nice, but. His run blocking, it's just got to be its got to be better for this team. And my second one, and this was a stretch, just to let people know, just to, even to get to two in this game was a stretch, <laughs> uh, was, was Shaq Mason. I had him for a half a stuff allowed. Uh, he had a tough screen block on a third down. He had a hurry uh, and another stuff on um, third down. So uh, not terrible by any stretch, just not – Great for Shaq. 
All right, let's get to the bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Check them out over at BSJ, $39.99 on the annual plan. Of course, you get tons of top-notch analysis of all the Boston Pro Sports, including the Celtics with that big win against the Lakers last night, dropping 130 points on their forehead. A great game by Tatum, finally, looking looking uh, like Jason Tatum a little bit. Uh, but you also get top-notch analysis of the Patriots. ton of video analysis from Bedard, as he does that on the coaches' film, direct access to him in weekly chats. Mr. Bedard. What question do you have for us? Yeah, and by the way, make sure everybody is looking out for a Cyber Monday deal. It's one of the only times we really do deals. It's really Cyber Monday and around Father's Day. Uh, So if you want to get those holiday presents, you have a Boston sports fan, a Patriots fan. It makes an easy gift. Uh, You can do it that way through our Cyber Monday deal. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, The question comes from S. Ashley. I, I assume that's what it is and not Sashley. Uh, he or she asks, what is your opinion about why Michael Wenu isn't playing? Lack of production. I thought he was their best offensive lineman last year. Uh, I'm going to say it's Ashley, but Ashley makes a valid point. Um, and we sort of touched on it last week, but you know, when, when Trent Brown came back, a bit of a surprise that he could play most of the game last week against the Browns, um, I'm not ready to write off Michael Wenu yet as far as like he's just being on the bench, even though it looks that way that you're like, if you're the Patriots, why mess with a good thing at this point and throw off anybody's timing, especially the running back? The running backs are doing great. Why put a new formula in there where now they have to maybe think about things? Um, you know, when Trent Brown came back, you can make the argument that they kept a Wenu on the bench because just in case Trent had a uh, slip up with his injury, a, re- a recurrence that it makes it much easier to just plug Michael Wenu off the bench. You're only changing one spot. If Michael Wenu's playing left guard, Trent Brown has an issue. Now you're changing two spots on the line. So I could see them doing that for week for the first game. And then this week was a short week. And so why you're not really going to change things with you're barely even practicing. You're not putting pads on, uh, so I could see them doing that, just saying like, all right, we're just going to do this for this stretch. And then we'll reassess this weekend over the long weekend on what we want to do going forward. So I do think that there's a chance that the Patriots make some changes. I think it would only be a Wenu to left guard. Um, but my inclination is to say that Karras, they stick with the, the with the formula that's going on right now that's been successful. They're winning games. Why mess with it? Uh, as far as a Wenu on why, look, we talked about it. He, he was very good at right tackle last year. There's no question. They moved him to guard this year after Joe Tooney left. It was the logical thing to do with signing Trent Brown. And you feel, he still has a chance to be a really good guard in this league. The transition was not smooth for him. Yeah. He was not great at guard. Sometimes you get guys that it's a little too fast for them in there. They used to tackle where it's a little bit simpler in terms of your blocking assignments. You don't have to worry about all that many twists and stunts and stuff like that. Uh, I wouldn't say he was bad. He was not bad at all. At all. Um, PF, if you have PFF, he's the greatest lineman you know that's ever been created if you look at their ratings. So they must be very sad about Michael Wenu being on the bench. Kind of a blow to their ratings. Uh, but – in my mind, Trent, uh, Ted Karras has clearly been the better, more consistent left guard for this team. He gives him a physicality. He's smart. He's tough. Uh, not that Mike is not any of those things, but I just think 
for right now, and who knows, Trent, uh, Ted Karras might be coming back to earth uh, at some point. Right now, this is the best formula. And a when he's ready to go, should that change? But for now, this is the group. Patriots, five straight wins, seven and four on the season. They're taking advantage of this stretch that Greg and I brought up about a month and a half ago. We said they, you know, if, if they could go anywhere from you know four and one, three and you know four and one, five and zero oh would have been beautiful. Yeah. Five and zero, oh. and so now we get ready for Tennessee, Buffalo, Indianapolis, and Buffalo. That big stretch coming up. But here's the good news: the Patriots played on Thursday night, so we got a stress-free NFL Sunday. Sit back, relax, enjoy the games, and then we'll have Tennessee versus New England next weekend, which is uh, shaping up to be a huge game. He's Greg. I'm Nick. Everybody enjoy your uh, weekend. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cap.